my whole life growing up as a young local boy was like to make my my parents proud mm-hmm. you know and so a lot of the times again it goes back to parents like you have a huge responsibility with your children of how they develop because it wasn't until I grew older that my dad was so strategic in how he did I remember my dad trained me since I was five years old my dad trained me the whole reason why so and the whole reason why I was number five was because my dad asked me and I remember we were going down Nani Lo Loop in La Ia, and he asked me, son, what you want to be when you grow up? And I told him, I'm going to be a football player. And I said that. Why? Because I wanted my dad to be, be happy that I said that. I said, dad, I want to be, be a football player. And my dad said, do you want to be a, a football player or do you want to be the best football player in the state? And I told him, I'm five years old. Oh, dad, I want to be, a, I want to be the best football player in the state. If any parent thinks that the five-year-old uh-huh. can understand what that means, they're crazy. Yeah. Every five-year-old would say that because they want their parent to be proud. Mm-hmm. And so I told her, I want to be the best football player in the state. I said, okay, what number do you want to be? And this is as simple as it is. I said, I want to be five. <laughs> and I wanted to be five because I was five years old. And yeah. that's the only reason why I chose number five and I stuck with it. Mm-hmm. And so the, I've, I've always been five until the yeah. NFL. And there were some times when I was little like, where I couldn't get number five. I, I got other numbers. But that is why I had number five. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind, how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back, everyone, to the HNL Movement Podcast. Thank you for joining me for another week. If you are a new listener, please go and check back all of the previous episodes and hopefully you'll find a lot of helpful content. And for all of the returning listeners, thank you again for joining me for another week. This week, I have a very, very great episode. I always enjoy talking to him. We always get carried away and lost in the conversation. Time just flies by. And really, this guest needs no introduction. Today on the podcast, it was great catching up with Manti Teo, a household name in Hawaii. He really paved the way for a lot of athletes. And really, his career speaks for itself. He needs no introduction. I'm not going to go over all of his accolades, but we've seen what he has done in high school, getting recruited, going to Notre Dame, and playing in the NFL too. He definitely shares a lot of words of wisdom, advice, and perspective just from his experiences. All of his experiences have really shaped him into who he is and how he continues to move forward and strives for success. This is a great episode for anybody in life, all of the young athletes, anybody that is looking to continually grow and grow as a person, grow in their craft, and just be a contributing member in society. Now, there's so many things that I want to talk about, but I want to get straight into the episode. Make sure that you stay all the way to the end to listen. He offers some great insight, very introspective words of wisdom that he has learned and where he is at today in 2021. I always enjoy talking to Manti and we are probably going to do follow-up episodes after this one, but stay tuned, listen to the episode and enjoy. Welcome back everyone to the H&L Movement Podcast. I have 
one of the best people to talk to. We have some great conversations every time you're back home. And thanks so much for joining us today. But no introduction necessary. Let's welcome Manti Teo to the podcast. What's up, bro? How's it going? Good, good. Good to see good. you. We're just talking about it. The last time we talked was probably around maybe a little over two years ago. Mm-hmm. And the great thing, every time you come home, we're both constantly growing or constantly looking to improve at whatever we're doing so like you mentioned before two years ago i mean we were completely in a different space yeah good space yeah but there's so much that has happened in two years yeah before we get into everything that you're doing even your recent stint with the bears Mm -hmm. let's talk about you growing up Mm -hmm. i want to get get into your story because i always tell athletes that you know it's consistent things that you do throughout your lifetime Mm -hmm. That's what yeah. makes the habits. progress. Yes, habits. the habits. Yeah. So why don't you start there? Just start by how, how it was like growing up, what kind of sports you played, mm-hmm. and let's dive into that. So I grew up in Laie um, on the North Shore, and I grew up like every other local boy, you know, um, just family. I, matter of fact, I'll, I'll, I'll start to kind of unwrap that a little bit because I think the Hawaii I grew up in is a lot different than the Hawaii now. Um, the La'ie I grew up in is a lot different than the La'ie now. Um, there's a lot of, we were just joking about it earlier. We see some people playing basketball and, you know, that's kind of like a phenomenon now, like to see people outside playing around, getting active, being with friends, you know, and family and stuff like that. So um, when I grew up not too long ago, um, everybody was out. You know, to be in on a Game Boy or be in on an iPod, iPad, laptop, whatever, that just wasn't something that people did you know so a lot of my childhood was centered around being outside with my friends playing basketball football whatever it was you know whoever had the any type of ball you had a basketball we're playing basketball football we play football we all knew the kid on the street who had the portable rim and so we would all go play at his house you know so that's how I grew up um and it's such a beautiful childhood uh you know i I was i was i'm I'm very very fortunate that's why i always come back home is it's not only to you know enjoy the sun um the people but to remind myself of of who i am you know and i don't think you can totally do that until you've been home and so my parents um, their names are brian and otilia teo i grew up in a very athletic family uh, my mom, especially my mom's side, my mom's side, my grandfather, Luis Santiago, he, he's a well-known football player out of Cuckoo, played at BYU Provo. Um, all my uncles played football, um, majority of them for University of Hawaii. They all came out of Kuhuku. My mom was a Gatorade Player of the Year at Kuhuku, you know, so I was going to be an athlete, you know, and then dad's family, all his family, they were athletes. Dad was a fullback at Kuhuku, so... And then I went to Puno, you know, so, you know, but um, all of those, um, those qualities and characteristics um, that, 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 that I have and that, I, that, that I've been taught were taught by my parents. And then as I grew up, um, as evolution, as we talked about yeah. it, as, 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 as you mature, you, you try to do better. You know, we talked about the last time we sat together and how we're like, man, that person. A, a good person yeah. but it's just different like we're a lot different now and in some ways we're the same yeah. but at the same time I think to, to say that if we were to sit across this table now a couple of years later and to say we're the same I think it, that would mean that we really haven't done anything you know so you always want to progress and I'm happy to say that you know 
those times are good times, but now we're in today and you know, we're in a lot better place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, and when we sit down the next time, whenever that would be, you know, hopefully sooner than later, yeah. um, that we'll be in a different place, you know, and we'll continue to progress like that. So yes, the I'll con- start a childhood. Continuing to grow. I mean, that's the one thing that you teach me a lot. And I think you elevate everyone around you mm-hmm. to constantly try to grow and get right. better at whatever you're doing. Right. And that's so true. What you said is that in Hawaii, you know, everyone grew up outdoors. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have all of the electronics and technology, which was a good and bad thing again. Yeah. Right. But just being outdoors, what was it like when you were young were you mm. playing all of these sports or did you find football right. at an early age or how did that play out for well you, you know it's funny so i played all the sports mm-hmm. um i played football obviously basketball um baseball and then my freshman year I ran track and so it's a funny story about all four of them so everybody knows about football i, I was gonna play football when i came out the womb like when i came out the womb everybody was like he playing football um basketball was something that always followed football so our family truly believed in being a multi-sport athlete. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, for, for kids that want to be a, a, a one-sport athlete, that's, that's, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But I think there's, there's so much to playing so many different sports mm-hmm. that it also helps facilitate you as a single-sport athlete. So there are a lot of things that I learned in basketball, baseball, hand-eye coordination, mm-hmm. you know, different disciplines and different sports. Um, that helped me to be a better football player. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't have learned those if I just played football, you know. So uh, I played basketball. I don't know what it is with basketball. Some years I was good, some years I weren't, you know. And I, I, mean, I remember my junior year. Yes, my junior year, I actually made uh, the All-State uh, tournament team. Okay. Because, you know, I, I did pretty good. My senior year, I was that guy that you follow that guy at the end of the game. <laughs> So that you put him on the line so he misses his free throws. I was that guy they put on a free throw. I remember we were playing, I, I forget who we were playing, but we were playing at Punahou. Um, and I went to the free throw line and for some reason I, was, I would airball free throws. But it was hilarious because I would airball free throw and everybody kind of knew who I was. You know, that was my senior year. Everybody knew me from football. That nobody would, would laugh. You know, and so I'd look around at the, you know, in, in, in the basketball stadium and look around and nobody would say anything. You know, they would kind of just sit there. It was, just, you know, now I look back on it, you know, I was all, I was all shame. You know, I was like, for just airball or something. But like, the beauty of Hawaii, like, nobody want to make shame of you. You know what I mean? They'll just, they'll just sit there and be quiet, I guess, because they knew who I was or whatever. But uh, my, my, my basketball success kind of varied from year to year, yep. you know. Um, baseball my dad always claimed that i was better at baseball than than Mm. any other sport Mm. um but i hated baseball and i hated baseball because i was scared of the baseball (laughs) because you know like on my side of the island there are no turf baseball fields you know you're playing at a park and there's crabgrass everywhere divots rocks everything and so that ball is juking you out as it's hit towards you you know and i was a shortstop so like that ball would always come fast, and my dad was my coach. And so you have a big solar just swinging the bat and hitting the grounder to you. And I can't tell you how many times I got hit in the face by the baseball. And I always crack jokes on people. I was like, listen, I am more scared of that little white ball than I am of the 300-plus pound linemen that I go against in the NFL. Like, I don't fear them at all. But that little white ball, <laughs> I'm done, you know? So that was... I played baseball, I think just Little League, and 
that was it i was like i'm never playing baseball again bro like, yeah yeah well that i mean i didn't even know that you played baseball in little league yeah but even that it teaches you some different skills than football right yeah. how to move how to track hand-eye coordination yeah. and all of that yeah but i think everyone that goes growing up playing baseball that is the one thing that you have to overcome i mean yeah. just constantly getting drilled (laughs) by the baseball i mean that is something that all kids go through yeah bro it was bad like so i was a shortstop and then sometimes i'll play pitcher Mm -hmm. and bro whoever was a batter i would pray like i wouldn't beat him bro like because i i would like i would i would try my hardest to throw a strike bro but all i knew is i was gonna throw it as hard as i could and wherever it went hopefully it went straight into the glove but sometimes it happened to go straight for the batter bro and there's one time in little league you know little league it it starts off t-ball yep, yep. then coaches pitch yep. and then player pitch yep. so it was my first year of player pitch and so you were young still, i was yeah. young yeah. bro yeah there was a girl that came up to bat. You know, it's, it's a co-ed, you know, a little yeah. league, a co-ed. Yeah. And, bro, I was like, oh. <laughs> I remember I looked at my dad. It was at Hola, Hola Playground, Hola Beach Park. Okay. Not Hola Beach Park, Hola yeah. Playground by Ele- yeah. Hola Elementary. That's where we played. And I looked at my dad, and my dad looked. He said, like, come on, go. I was like, oh. Oh, no. <laughs> and I, and I, I hit her. Oh, and no. I remember I started crying because I thought my dad was going to lick me for hitting the girl, Brad. <laughs> I remember my dad was like, it's okay. It's okay. It happens. I was like, oh, I just hit a girl. You know? <laughs> but like, you know, that, that, that was my baseball experience. I, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it because um, it was just another sport and it helped me um, to be a better athlete all around, yep. you know. Yep. And, and then the least favorite was track. I ran track for one year. Yep. My mom's oldest brother, um, my uncle Keala, he is a star mm-hmm. track athlete. Okay. Um, some people may know my cousin, Jeanne Santiago. Mm-hmm. She was a, a track athlete at University of Hawaii. That's okay. his daughter. Okay. And so he was a track athlete. So my ninth grade year, when I was back at Koku, he was like, nephew, you're going to run. You're going to run with run for me. I said, oh, okay. And I remember my first track meet, you know, straight like football mentality. <laughs> You know, I'm out there. First of all, the shorts was like really short because <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm big. I was big for my age, mm-hmm. you know, and like I'm like taller than everybody, <laughs> and like everybody's like up to my shoulder, you know. And I'm like, oh, bro, I'm finna smoke these guys, you know. <laughs> and we're at Mililani, okay. And uh, you know, they always say the fourth and the fifth, the fourth and fifth lane. That's the lane where they put the fast people, yeah. Okay. And so I was in the fourth lane. So I was, I, I was in one of those middle lanes so I was you know I was kind of feeling confident I was like oh they already know like I'm fast you know <laughs> bro it's a hundred meter dash I took off now my get off has always been good you know yeah. like I've always been quicker than fast mm-hmm. so I out the blocks I was gone <laughs> the first 20 meters I was in the front yeah. the last 80 bro <laughs> I saw was just people just Passing me, yeah. bro. I just gone, you know. Yeah. And I thought to myself, like, okay, you know, that was that was that was lucky, you know. I me, mean? that was lucky they beat me, bro. I ran that whole season, getting smoked, bro. Yeah. And so I told my dad, bro, this is the competitor me. It's either the competitor or the loser, bro. I told my dad, dad, I get out, I cannot run track. He was like, why? I was like, cause I can't win. <laughs> he was like. 
We'll run faster. I was like, Dad, I'm running as fast as I can, bro. I can't play a, I can't play a sport where I'm not the best at it. Yeah. And that was the first and last year that I ever ran track, bro. And that was it, bro. But you bigger, like guy my size, we throw shot put, discus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, bro. Yeah. Well, All the solids, you're going to run the 100 meter dash, yeah. bro. I mean, it's so interesting to hear these kind of stories because it's, I bet you it's just like yesterday. How yeah. you remember how you remember all oh, of these yeah. events it's oh, just yeah. like yesterday but all of these things kind of paved the way into what you decided to do mm-hmm. and eventually specialize into football mm-hmm. right yeah you did mention a little bit that okay so you were bigger than most of the kids yeah yeah let's talk about that yeah. so were you like always physically bigger and taller than most kids yeah all the way through elementary intermediate and high school yeah i was always the tallest got it and, but 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 okay so so Drew, you, you you appreciate this right yeah so I was the tallest in, form, in, in terms of, of, of Hawaii. Yes. Right? Like, we're not really tall. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, when I was, me, I was, I'm 6'2". Mm-hmm. Growing up, I was always taller than everybody. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was skinny growing up. Mm-hmm. But, like, anybody that's taller than 5'11", bro, you playing center at, as a basketball <laughs> player, you yeah. know? And yeah. I can't, bro, okay, another basketball story. Freshman year, I was at Koku. Mm-hmm. I played varsity my freshman year, basketball. And we went to the Iolani Classic, Koku. We went to the Iolani Classic, bro. And I think in the, that is Montrose Christian. I think that was a school, okay. Montrose Christian. All I remember was that was Kevin Durant. Okay. Kevin Durant played for that team. And it was Kevin Durant's senior year, whatever. Like, he was a star. I didn't know who Kevin Durant is. You know, football. Yep. Like, Hoy, we don't really know anything about basketball. Like, it's all about football. Mm-hmm. So we're over there, right? And layup lines in Hawaii is layup lines. Like, yeah, we yeah. lay up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't dunk. Yeah. And some guys can dunk. Yeah. You know, some guys, like the basketball players, they can dunk. Like, the volleyball basketball players, they, you know, they can dunk. But nobody really dunks mm-hmm. in Hawaii. You know, matter of fact, there was a rule that if you dunk the pregame, it's a, it's a, it's a penalty. Yeah. I remember they say, don't, don't, don't touch the rim. Don't hang on the rim. So a lot of us lay up and slap the backboard, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, like, I can touch the backboard, you know. <laughs> And so we're playing Kevin Durant's team, and we're in layup lines. And all I remember hearing is this, this big boom, boom, and the crowd just go, oh, oh, and another one, boom, oh, and I'm like, what the heck? And I remember we're at half court, and like we're in the layup lines, bro. And I remember I turn and I look, bro, and Kevin Durant and his whole team, bro, is like. Throwing it off the backboard, windmill, boom, like just dunking. I'm like, oh, it's over, boys. Like, we've been to get killed over here, bro. But, you know, like, I was always taller than my peers here. But in the grand scheme of things, like, I was just a normal kid. You know, I was average age, average, all of that. Mm-hmm. But one of the benefits to that was I always played with older kids. Mm-hmm. And that was one thing that that my parents always did. They always had me play up oh. in age. Mm-hmm. And um, I took my beatings <laughs> early, you know, but it benefited me mm-hmm. in the long run because yeah. eventually mm-hmm. you're going to play against kids your age, yeah. you know, when, when I got into high school, like mm-hmm. I started. And you have that skill development. I wouldn't say like as far as being technical in skill development, but this maturity. Yeah. That can only be taught from the failures that yeah. you experience yeah. by going against kids that's just like yeah. older than you, you yes. know? 
That is so true. I mean, everything that you're saying, there's so many points that we can elaborate on and pull out. But that's actually interesting because if you think, if anyone thinks about being a freshman in high school, yeah, you're really not exposed to much. Yeah. So for you being a freshman at Kahuku and seeing like Kevin Durant and all yeah. these seniors and stuff dunking, I would yeah. be the same way. Like, what is this? Because yeah. we never saw that yeah. before, yeah. right? Yeah. You hardly see seniors dunking yeah. in, yeah. in a state tournament. You yeah, know? Like, so, oh, cool, dude. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it is something different. And I like, we'll, we'll touch on this later, but when you start to see yes. what the capability is, yes. then that really elevates like, okay, the ceiling's not here anymore. Yes. It's way up here. Yes. This is what I got to shoot for. Yes. Yeah, that's one of the big things. But that's an interesting story. Yeah. The other thing that you mentioned is like, we always talk about this, but we ain't never going to learn anything mm-hmm. if we always have success. Yeah. You're not going to figure out what to change or right. what to improve, right? right? Success is great. And yes, we're working and striving mm-hmm. for that. But it's all the times that you didn't succeed, mm-hmm. like those track meets, all of these mm-hmm. other instances. Yeah. That's when you probably grew the most, right. you know? Right. And But at that time, you don't realize it, you know, as a kid. You just you, you just see failure, yeah. you know? And it's it's hard for a kid to 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 to, to digest that, mm-hmm. you know? and But that's when the parents, like parents everywhere like that is where you have to come in Mm -hmm. because there are so many times where i thought i knew Mm -hmm. but my dad would be the one to say no you're not Mm -hmm. you're not gonna do that yeah you're not going there you're not going to that movie you're not going to the beach you need to come here you need to do this and as a kid like we think everything's unfair like but my my friend gets to do that how come he gets to do that and i can't do this and so Parents, I'm not going to tell you how to parent your kid, Mm -hmm. but I will say this. I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for my parents telling me no. If it wasn't for my parents to pick up Mm -hmm. where I couldn't. Like, they would tell me, like, hey, this is what, this is why you're experiencing this. This is why I stuck you with the big kids. You know, because it's easy for a little kid to look at, man, like, these kids are four years older than me Mm -hmm. and I'm getting drilled. Like, this is unfair, you know? Like, why are you putting me through this? But it was my parents who came in and told me and encouraged me to keep going that helped me to understand, like, okay, I may not understand in the process, but in the end, when I look back, I'll understand. So it's, um, it's, it's about pushing your children in this space from here to here so that the little amount of success you experience at the end they would understand why they had to travel this, yes. you know? And so it's not just the kid, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's the parents, it's, mm-hmm. it's the home, you know? I, I, and again, like how we talked about in the beginning, I was very, very blessed and fortunate um, to grow up um, under uh, a roof that I was, that I was raised in and, 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 and the, the type of family unit that I had. Mm-hmm. So I, that, that had a lot if not most to do with my success Mm -hmm. um, on and off the football field yeah definitely a lot of success on and off the football field let's touch on that a little bit more so growing up you know there's certain things that I think a lot of the you know all the Hawaii athletes Mm -hmm. that's how Hawaii is Mm -hmm. we support all the Hawaii athletes you know they represent the state make everyone so proud and everything but what people don't understand sometimes is all the sacrifices, the yeah. hard work to get you there, you know? Yeah. And it started when you were a young age, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that, you know, kind of before you even got into Punahou, mm-hmm. what was some of the 
discipline like what yeah. were you striving to do did you know already that you wanted to play in college you know when yeah. was that dream kind of established as something that you wanted to do yeah well it's funny that you use that the words what you wanted to do yes that is huge mm-hmm. because it wasn't always what i wanted to do got it you know it was what my dad wanted me to do mm-hmm. you know a kid a kid has dreams and aspirations but a kid like like myself there's thought, there's, there are times where I was like, man, I want to play football. Oh, I want to play basketball. Oh, I want to play football. Oh, I want to play basketball. You know, I, I jump back and forth. Oh, I want to be a pilot. You know, <laughs> but it was because I always wanted to make my parents proud. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the times kids do things just because they want their dad to be proud of them. You know, it's not necessarily because they want to be good at it. Mm-hmm. Like I could have the best game, but if my dad wasn't proud of me, it wouldn't mean that much to me. You know, but if I did something like I think there's times where I did I played in some sports where I came in last place, like track, and my dad was proud of me, and it made me feel good, you know, and there were like for instance, there was we played St Louis, was it St Louis? Yes, St. Louis, uh my senior year, we lost to him the first game, the first time we played him because we played St. Louis twice, we lost to him. I had twenty two tackles that game, twenty two bro in the game I missed three tackles three or four my dad was disappointed in me because I missed the three or four so you see the contrast between the two like my whole life growing up as a young local boy was like to make my my parents proud mm-hmm. you know and so a lot of the times again it goes back to parents like you have a huge responsibility with your children of how they develop because it wasn't until I grew older that my dad was so strategic in how he did. I remember my dad trained me since I was five years old. My dad trained me. The whole reason why, so, and the whole reason why I was number five was because my dad asked me, and I remember we were going down on little loop in La Ia, and he asked me, son, what you want to be when you grow up? And I told him, I'm going to be a football player. And I said that, why? Because I wanted my dad to be, be happy that I said that. I said, dad, I want to be, be a football player. And my dad said, do you want to be a, a football player or do you want to be the best football player in the state? And I told him, I'll, Five years old. Yeah. Oh, Dad, I want to be a, I want to be the best football player in the state. If any parent thinks that the five-year-old uh-huh. can understand what that means, they're crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every five-year-old would say that because they want their parent to be proud. Mm-hmm. And so I told her, I want to be the best football player in the state. I said, okay, what number do you want to be? And this is as simple as it is. I said, I want to be five. And I wanted to be five because I was five years old. And that's the only reason why I chose number five and I stuck with it. Mm-hmm. And so the, I've, I've always been five until the yeah. NFL. And there were some times when I was little like, where I couldn't get number five. I, I got other numbers. But that is why I had number five. But when I told my dad that, my dad was the one who went through the work. So you live right down the street from Honolulu Zoo. Uh-huh. I cannot stand Honolulu Zoo. You did tell me. Okay, we got to go through this story because I know the story. But you got to tell it for I cannot stand that place, bro. Yeah. I, l- I currently live in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've lived in San Diego since I was drafted by the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Nine years ago. Eight years ago. I have yet to go to the San Diego Zoo, bro. Because of this experience, okay? So, when, I was that, when that five-year-old kid told his parent that he wanted to be the best in the state, my dad took it literally. Like, he took it serious. Every year in the summer, around summertime, college 
college coaches would come down to Hawaii and hold coaching clinics. Mm-hmm. My dad, every Saturday, every weekend, would come to University of Hawaii or wherever it was mm-hmm. and go to these coaching clinics every single weekend. But while he went to the clinics, my mom would take me and my sisters to the zoo. Every weekend, bro. You know the story. Yeah. Every single weekend, I saw the same monkey sitting on a tree. And I was like, bro, I hate. Bro, after the 10th time, I was like, mom, I can walk through the zoo with my eyes closed, bro. I, I hate coming to the zoo. Why are we at the zoo, right? Come to find out, dad, I found out later that dad was going to these coaching cl- clinics so that he could be the best coach to teach his son mm-hmm. who, who wanted to be at five years old the best player in the state. Mm-hmm. And so we would come home and I remember my dad showing me like VHS tapes of like University of Nebraska linebackers and go, them going through drills. And I was a little kid, bro, six, yeah. seven, eight years old, like watching these guys and you know, we're watching them. He's like, watch how they go over the bags. Watch how they use their hands. Look at this drill. And we would go out and, mm-hmm. in the street and try to do it. But be honest, like you probably one of the only people that know. People see like me now, mm-hmm. right? They see how I run. They see how some things come easy to me. Mm-hmm. Bro, I was uncoordinated as a kid. Like I remember my pops used to put the cam recorder that we got mm-hmm. on top of the trash can and, and film me running. Like we ran so many sprints just to get my gait right. Because yeah. I looked like I had two left feet running, bro. <laughs> yeah. But it took years and years and years and years hours and hours of just me and him out on the street running high knees getting up bring your feet over pick your knees up your arm swing keep them at 90 you're you're breaking past 90 you know hours bro yes to get to just run (laughs) and then you start teaching football so my dad trained me ever since i was five to be the best player in the state the most important part of that whole thing though was when i was in eighth grade i was at punahou and my dad told me i'm not going to train you anymore i'm not i'm not going to train you unless you ask me to okay prior to that He'd come home at 4 p.m. from work every day. I'd hear the, the we had a Bronco. Mm-hmm. I'd hear the Bronco come. I said, oh, <laughs> here we go. Yep. Got to run my mile. Got to do these sprints. Got to do the ladders. Bro, we was doing ladders before anybody even knew what ladders was, <laughs> bro. We was doing the five dot thing. Before any, mm-hmm. we had the, bro, we sprayed silver spray paint in our driveway and was doing ladders, the five dots. Mm-hmm. We was doing like some. ISO holds like dad was researching everything and I remember yeah. De La Salle came down here mm-hmm. years ago mm-hmm. De La Salle came to play St. Louis and Long Beach Poly came to play Koku years ago mm-hmm. and I was at that game and a lot of De La Salle's warm ups I did and so my dad was like see yeah. son that's that's what you do meanwhile all the high schools was doing the regular high knees <laughs> yeah. you know stuff like that that's but it was my dad understanding where he wanted his sons to go mm-hmm. and what he needed to do to get me there. So eighth grade comes and he tells me, I'm not going to train you until you, you, you ask me. So I was like, oh, perfect. perfect. I'm going to chill. Yeah. When that car drove up, sure enough, dad came in. He said, hey, sat down, started eating. And I'm sitting there like, he's not going to let me sit here. <laughs> yeah. Bruh, dad didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. So for two weeks, 
I didn't train at all. But I had been such a machine Mm -hmm. that I was used to a certain production. Like, as a kid, I was used to my body being able to do certain things, me not get winded doing other things. Mm -hmm. And just doing simple things, playing with my friends on the street, Mm -hmm. playing at school, Mm -hmm. I started to feel things start to just drop off drop off and i remember i can't remember specifically when it was but my pops is i i i I was like bro i'm losing it and i went up to my dad i said dad Mm -hmm. can you train me and that was important why drew because that was when his dream became mine yes and i took ownership of that Mm -hmm. i'm the one who I grabbed that flame and I took off. Mm-hmm. And I it, it it went as far as I would take it, not mm-hmm. how far dad would take it. I yeah. dad did everything he did he needed to do already. Now, mm-hmm. if I wanted to be successful, it had to be on me. Yeah. And yeah. so that was the passing of the torch there. And that that's what that single moment is what helped me to understand the importance of hard work, sacrifice, mm-hmm. dedication, mm-hmm. and and ownership. Mm-hmm. Cuz you can't be great if it's somebody else's dream. Yep. It has to be yours. Yes. If you're doing stuff because somebody else wants you to do it, you ain't going to be worth jack. <laughs> so that for me was another addition to my testimony of, of passion. Mm-hmm. It's got to be you. It's got to be it's you. It's got to yeah. be. No, that's so true. And I'm glad you filled in that story. Mm-hmm. Because I think what you described pretty much is that, I mean, your dad did everything that he needed to do, right? He mm-hmm. invested in you. He poured everything. But at that young age, we don't even realize how to create consistency mm-hmm. or habits. Because, I mean, we're just growing up. It's yeah. part of the learning process and the growth yeah. process. But after that, because your habits were so strong, like you said, mm-hmm. and you recognize a certain level of performance, when that started to drop off, mm-hmm. you know, the light bulb clicked, like, okay, I can't have both. I yeah. can't not work at this, not right. have the passion for it, and still perform at this level. Yeah. And when you took that torch, like you said, that's the key thing and that's the growth yeah so now let's pick up on that talk about your high school years Mm -hmm. because you know it's all of those years that and that's what i think a lot of people no matter what your profession is Mm -hmm. it can be physical sport like football Mm -hmm. or it can be anything else like if you want to be like you mentioned a pilot if you want to do something else Mm -hmm. you don't be successful by accident yeah right it's the hours and hours of practice learning improving that people don't see yeah they only see the end result yeah right but you can't get that end result without going through all of that process yeah so now let's talk about when you got into high school what was that like now because you're more in the driver's seat yeah you know what you're striving for mm-hmm. how was your high school years training wise and you know going getting into punahou and that experience and yeah. you can elaborate on anything that you want well my experience at punahou taught me one thing well it taught me many things but the most important thing that my football career taught me at Punahou was the importance of confidence. Like elite, supreme confidence. Not, not arrogance, mm-hmm. cockiness, none of that. Like, there's a difference. You know, there's, there's a saying that says, arrogance is when you step into a room and think you're better than everybody. Mm-hmm. Confidence is when you step into the room and, and believe that nobody's better than you. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. It's, confidence is, I come in, like, understand that everybody's talented right mm-hmm. everybody's talented but nobody's better than me mm-hmm. I, I belong there mm-hmm. 
And so leading up to my high school career, I had been going to football camps. And it, it go back to what we talked about, exposure, right? Ex- exposure, experience, seeing what's out there, talking about Kevin Durant, damn, and dunking. I'm yeah. like, oh, wow, that, yeah. I've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. Going to these football camps in the mainland allowed me to see w- what the real competition is. Mm-hmm. It's not St. Louis. It's not Kamehameha. No. It's not Koku, Wainai, yeah. Farrington. It's, it's not that. Mm-hmm. It's those kids in Florida, Texas, Texas. Yeah. California, all those guys, Ohio, mm-hmm. it's all of those boys up over there. That's the competition. Mm-hmm. That's the guys that, that's where the bar is at, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I went to all these football camps and I started to see, I remember I went to the USC football camp and I see like, I, I see kids like jumping 40 inch verts, mm-hmm. running four threes, mm-hmm. 17, 16 year olds. It's, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I was like, man, I was like, I didn't even think that was even possible. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that before. Yep. And so for a local kid at that time to see all that, it put my mind in a space where like, okay, mm-hmm. that's where I got to be. Yep. That's where the expectation is at. That's where the, 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 the bar is set. Mm-hmm. That's the bar I need to set for myself, if not higher. Yep. And so I go to a place like Koku my ninth grade year. I'm, I'm born and raised in that environment where Kuku is known for football. We eat, breathe, sleep football out there. That's, that's what we do out there, amongst a lot of other things, but everybody knows Kuku as football. Then I come to a place like Puno. Back in 2009, 2000, well, I graduated in 2009, 03, 04, Puno was really known for fo- football. Puno was known for being the academic powerhouse that it is and good in, in in a lot of other sports, right? There was a feeling that when I stepped up on that field at Punahou, coming from Kohoku, that I'm that dog. As a, as a sophomore, that's when I entered the varsity because I went back to I went to Punahou seventh eighth grade, mm-hmm. transferred back to Kohoku ninth grade, then went back to Kohoku mm-hmm. my tenth grader. When I stepped on that field, Punahou, your tenth yeah, grade year, yeah. Punahou to my tenth grade year. When I stepped on that field for, for summer workouts, my tenth grade year, there was just this confidence about me because I came from Koku, mm-hmm. and because I've been going to all of these football camps, mm-hmm. going against all the best guys. Mm-hmm. That when I stepped on that field, it was like nobody can, nobody, nobody can deal with me on this field, right? And my my game took on a whole bro. Manti playing with confidence and Manti not playing with confidence is two different players. Same guy. Two different results. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference in my high school career is I I discovered confidence. I discovered when hard work finally comes to fruition and that you add confidence to that. Oh, you become dangerous. And that's what happened at Puno. Got it. I mean, everything that you just said right there because... That's the thing. You can train and have all of the physical attributes, mm-hmm. but there's a huge mental side mm-hmm. and confidence. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's impossible to have every single play be the best play that you've ever made in your life, mm-hmm. right? So then understanding how to deal with all of this and how to build that confidence and, mm-hmm. you know, fill the shoes or the expectations that most people see or, you know, see your potential in, mm-hmm. that's a huge part. Yeah. And I think that's, that's great that you share that because... 
again, like you don't want to be overly confident and arrogant and stuff. Yeah. But this is something I think that every single high school, even college athlete, needs to go through yeah. to develop that right balance of being like a complete player, so mm-hmm. that you know, you know again that you belong there yeah. and that you can perform. And again, that men- mindset that no one's better than me. Yeah, like, I can compete here. You, you talk about confidence. I think like true confidence is very quiet. True confidence is, is never loud. The people that are always, it's, it's like a fight. Yeah. The guy who is always just going at it is like, eh, yeah. that's not the guy that can scrap. It's the guy that's behind him that's very quiet. Yeah. That's the guy you got to worry about. Yeah. It's true confidence for me is always quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't say much, but when it's time for action, it's, you're going to see. Their actions speak louder, louder than, than words, words yeah. and that's why it's always quiet. Yeah. And so I always think like the people that are, are, are truly confident, like they don't say much. Yeah. Now they just go out there and do their thing, and their work does all the does the talking for them. So yes, definitely. There's so many things that we can talk about, and with all of the guests on here, you know, there's not enough time to go through yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. So we are going to fast forward a little bit, yeah. even though we could probably spend another couple of hours just <laughs> yeah. talking about Puno. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah. anyway, we're going to fast forward a little bit because you're going through all of these camps and everything mm-hmm. and you started to see the competition. Yeah. And I think everyone can relate to this because until you see it again, you don't really know where the bar is set. Yeah. But now you were every single summer or off season, you knew what you needed to do or mm-hmm. what you were striving for. Yeah. So when did it click that I want to not only play Division One football? Yeah. But I want to try to become, like you said, that five-year-old dream. I want to try to become the best player out of the state of Hawaii. Yeah. And this is not only like in your class. Yeah. This is like, you may be the best player out of the state of Hawaii yeah. ever. Yeah. You know? so yeah. like, and again, not, not being arrogant or anything. You're yeah. the most humble guy that I know. Yeah. But when did that get planted into your, to your mind where like, okay, this is what I'm shooting for? Yeah. When I was in eighth grade, I was at the all-poly football camp. And I was, I was bigger for my age. I was mm-hmm. tall. So they played with the varsity. Mm-hmm. And I was getting pummeled. Mm-hmm. Bro, like, I remember this one play. Um, as a, it was a senior, going to be senior fullback from Alaska. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've never been hit You're like this before. So I was yeah. a linebacker. Okay. Eighth grade going to ninth grade. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a senior. But, I did, you know, I, I, I've been playing with kids older than me. Most of, my, most of my childhood, so it, it wasn't anything new to me. Um, but I remember they ran a lead yep. in the camp. And our poly football camp is, is a full contact camp. Mm-hmm. And this dude hit me so hard, bro. My helmet hit me in the nose. And I remember, like, I was crying. Like, not, like, sobbing crying, but, like, tears were coming down my eyes, you know. And my nose was bleeding. And I'm standing on the side of the, uh, on the sideline. And the linebacker coach that year was Kalani Sitake. He's currently the head coach at BYU. Mm-hmm. He was a linebacker coach, soon to be defensive coordinator for the University of Utah. Okay. He put his arm around me, and he said, hey, listen, young Oos. He's like, one day, all of these coaches here, I'm going to be wanting you because you're going to be somebody special. He's like, when that day comes, just remember me. And that was hard for me as a kid to understand, like with blood coming down, my yeah. tears coming down. I was like, man. I can't see that far, yeah. but he saw something in me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so we talk about parents, really, don't baby your kids, but like build them, mm-hmm. 
build them to be successful people in their profession and outside of the profession, but also other people along the way, like yourself. You've, you're like a brother to me. Mm-hmm. Like you've helped me in so many different ways, uh-huh. right? There are people that are going to come along mm-hmm. on your path of life that's going to help you. Mm-hmm. Coach Kalani is one of those guys that I will never forget when he told me that because that gave me the confidence to be like, okay, I can't see it right now. But it's going to eventually happen. The next year, I came back as a freshman, and I wiped everybody out. Because <laughs> like, I was bigger. I was yeah. just a little stronger. Mm-hmm. But confidence was there. Like, yeah. I know nobody's going to hit me like that. And nobody's going to hit me like that because, one, I'm bigger. Yeah. Two, I've experienced that already. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And so then I started, to, all that hard work started to manifest itself on a national scale. So yeah. when I came back to Hawaii to play high school football... It was like I already played against the best of the best. Mm. Now I'm coming back home and I'm playing against the best in Hawaii. Yeah. Which is, there's, there's a little f- fewer yeah. yes. here. Because we're the state, just like any other state. Mm-hmm. Not like the camps where the best of Ohio comes there, the best of yeah. Florida comes there, the best of California, Utah. Everybody comes to this one camp yeah. and it's, every, it's good on good. When you mm-hmm. come here to, to home, wherever that may be, it's not just a Hawaii thing. Yeah. You're not going to have an All-American center, All-American guard, All-American tar- tackle. Yeah. You know, like, everybody's not All-American. Yeah. So you're able to have all of those success because I already won against the best, yeah. you know. And so that, that success added more confidence yeah. and then more success added more confidence. Yeah. And then I started to see, like, okay, I'm having a lot of success because I've been working hard. So if I want to be better, i got to work harder. Yeah. At, let's go. Yeah. I want to get better. Okay. And it, it, it starts to become addicting. Like, okay, I start to understand. You want to be successful? You got to work hard. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be successful so you can be more confident? You got to work harder. Yeah. Yeah. And so my, my drive just kept getting bigger and stronger. And yeah. then my work ethic, bro, that, that, that was the thing. My work ethic was crazy. Yeah. Like, we've, we've trained yeah. together. And, you, you know, like, it was drilled in me since I was a kid by my dad. And that, again, it goes just to the habits, right? Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, I mean, your work ethic is insane. And I've been around, fortunately, I've been around some elite athletes. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone works hard. Yeah. But you can tell the ones that do a little bit more. It's just a little bit because everyone else is working hard. And you're one of the guys that I see. It's like, well, this guy is working this much harder. You know, that's what I see. Because that little bit, in the end, it adds up. It adds up. Yeah. So, like... People don't understand that. Like they, they just see like, oh, I worked out for two hours, <laughs> right? It's just like, I, I talk to Troy Polamalu all the time. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a big mentor for me, like a big brother. And he told me that when, what separated him from everybody sees Troy Polamalu when he, he did that jump over the, <laughs> jump yeah, over yeah. the O-line and tackle the yeah. quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, the yeah. stuff like that. And I, and, and, and I asked him about it. I said, well, you know, I'm very instinctual. How did you know that? And he told me that ever since his rookie year, he would take all the first team snaps and all the practice squad snaps, every single one, mm-hmm. because he believed that if I can see play after play after play after play after play, that eventually he'll get to the point where I've seen it all. I know what it looks like when they go on on quick snap. I know what it looks like when they're going to do a dummy count. I yep. know what it... The only way that he could do that was going again and again. And there is no rep count. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, I'm doing four sets of 10. Exactly. There is none. Yeah. 
all the people who really grind it's like yeah. Muhammad Ali said I only started counting when it started hurting yeah, yeah. those are the guys the crazy ones like <laughs> us crazy guys it's like bro I need to hurt like yeah. I need to feel something you know so like when we go to a, a place where oh it don't hurt yeah. it's just like uh, yeah. yeah like what did I I just wasted my time yeah you know what I mean like <laughs> it needs to be a kind of hurt that builds yes right but it's repetition it's just habits like that's the thing over and over yeah because without the experience you don't know how you're going to react in that situation yeah. and this goes just in life yeah like if you never experience something you can think yeah like in theory oh i would do this yeah but it's way different right i, I mean i could give so many examples yeah. it's way different when you're actually in that situation yeah. what you're gonna do you know Bro. but that's the reps you just keep getting reps and reps i always tell people the simple thing you don't know what you don't know that's true yeah. You do not know what you do not know. Yeah. So how do you know? How do you know things that you don't know? You put yeah. yourselves in yeah. situations exactly. to experience those. There's, there's nothing I can tell you yeah. that's going to allow you to learn the way that that experience would teach you. Yeah. And the only way that you can learn for all my local people out there is to leave this rock. Yeah. Experience life somewhere else. Step outside of that comfort zone. This comfort zone, because yeah. it's very comfortable to be here. That's why I came back home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? But that's why I can't stay home that long. Yeah. It's because a man or woman on a mission needs to stay to his habits. Mm-hmm. And when I'm home, I can't have those habits. Mm-hmm. But it's good to come home, yeah. to enjoy being home, be reminded of who you are. Your roots. But you have yeah. to go back to work. Mm-hmm. You have to go back to the yeah. hustle. You know, and those who really hustle and those who really grind understand, like, yeah. when you start to be lax, like mm-hmm. that kid, when I was young, when dad was like, oh, no need to work out. Those two like, weeks. Oh, okay, those two weeks. Yeah. When you start to be lax, it starts to get uncomfortable mm-hmm. because you've grown so comfortable with being uncomfortable that it's yeah. like, man, I, if I don't feel uncomfortable after a certain mo- amount of time, I'm like, oh, I'm losing it. You know, like it's a problem. Yeah. I may have issues up here. I don't know, bro. But that's, you know, it's like, I need to test myself yeah. somehow. You know what I mean? But that's what brings your success. You know, that's yeah. so true. And let's, okay, so I, I'm getting. Yeah, I'm going all over. So you got to no, make sure I stay so on now, track. So now you, you knew that you wanted to be the best. You were seeing all of the best players. You know where the bar was set and all of this kind of played off of each other yeah made you work harder made you more confident get you better and everything yep. now you can share whatever you feel open to mm-hmm. what was the college recruiting process like and what ultimately made you decide on which school was the right fit for you okay yeah so the college recruiting process was hectic mm-hmm. i think i had 40 over 40 plus offers but it don't matter yeah you know like it doesn't matter how many offers you get. Mm-hmm. You can only choose one, yep. you know, but it, it got hectic. Um, and that comes with all the hard work that, that, that we put in. Um, but I grew up a big USC fan. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, that was, and for kids who don't know, Alabama now, mm-hmm. that was USC back when USC. I was growing up. Like USC, Reggie Bush, yep. Matt Leinart, yep. Dwayne Jarrett, Mike Williams, yep. Darnell Bing, Taylor Mays, Ray Mauluga, Brian Cushing. Like, I can go on and on and on and name all of these guys that, that I watched growing Troy. Troy was the one who yep. got everybody kind of looking over there, right? But it wasn't until Pete Carroll got there that every, they, they became the best. Like, USC was the place to be, right? So, I grew up a big USC fan. 
Um, and so USC offered, and, 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 and it really came down to, to USC and Notre Dame. That's, that's who it really came down to. I remember I went on my Notre Dame trip around uh, after Thanksgiving. And, oh, bro, it was horrible. Like, it was horrible because I wasn't prepared. Okay. So you go into Walmart over here. You know, another thing about Hawaii. You go into Walmart over here, there's no snow jackets <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. you're not gonna make money if you're selling snow jackets in hawaii because yeah. there's no need for them right yeah i've been in snow before but i ain't been over there yeah. you know being in detroit like over <laughs> there it's a different, different type of cold right yeah. Yeah. so i get over there i i, I land in O'Hare, chicago o'hare airport um it's right after thanksgiving so you know in that part of the world it's very very cold yeah. around that time um and i have jean shorts on and t-shirt and I was like, oh, boy. I opened up the, the little thing, the little uh, the window, window or in yeah. the airplane, and I saw all the snow piled up. What I didn't understand was the wind in that part of the, in the, part, that oh, part yeah. of the world. That, it's the wind that, that, that's going to get you, right? So that trip, um, it was a coldest recorded game in Notre Dame history. Uh, they played Syracuse. Okay. Yes, Syracuse at that time, who was one of the worst – teams in college football it was their senior game and notre dame lost that game oh they lost that game um i left that game at at halftime because i was so cold Mm -hmm. and so that was my notre dame experience uh you know it 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 wasn't what uh you would think a kid from hawaii would experience yeah it was just different and i wasn't prepared for it Mm -hmm. National Signing Day comes. I went, I left for my, my USC trip the weekend before National okay. Signing Day, which is always at the first Wednesday of February. Mm-hmm. And it's a big recruiting weekend for USC. And, uh, and to make it, to be clearly honest, like that was what I thought was a recruiting weekend would be like. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, USC, Pete Carroll was there. Like, you know, it was, it was amazing. Now, Nobody forced me to do, like, anything illegal recruiting-wise, you know what I mean? Like, so, n- nobody did it with all the schools that I, that I went to. Mm-hmm. But I remember before I went to my USC trip, uh, my dad told me, he was like, when you come home, I, I hadn't committed anywhere. Mm-hmm. I haven't told anybody where I wanted to go, anything like that. Mm-hmm. He said, but when you come home from this USC trip, uh, we're going to talk as a family and mm-hmm. we're going to figure out where you want to go. I was like, all right, cool. Mm-hmm. I got home from my USC trip on Sunday. Sunday goes, uh, we're sitting in the uh, living room. My dad was like, all right, where you want to go? And I tell him, he's like, I'm going to go to USC. He's like, okay, cool. Just like that. Yep. He's like, okay, cool, that's fine, you know. Like, he's like, all right, he looks at my mom. He's like, oh, right, mom, going to be USC Trojans, all right, you know what I mean? So we live in Laie, uh, and we drive to Puno every day. Mm-hmm. And my dad told me, he's like, oh, make sure you pray about it. Mm-hmm. I said, all right, cool. I go to school on Monday. On the way back home, my dad said, hey, how's everything going? I was like, I'm good. He was like, you still solid in USC? I was like, yep, still solid. He was like, you pray about it? I was like, nope, not yet. He said, make sure you pray about it. Mm-hmm. I said, all right, cool. Tuesday comes. I'm sitting in English class. I mean, watching a movie, Dead Poet Society. And, you have a good memory. <laughs> oh, because it's... <laughs> because it's, in, it's, it's vividly... In my brain. Yeah. And so I remember watching Dead Poet Society, and I, I really wasn't watching the movie but what I got from it was there's a kid that wanted to be something that everybody else wanted him to do something else mm-hmm. 
he wanted to be a poet or something mm-hmm. but his his dad wanted him to do this his some he, he was just torn right mm-hmm. my parents never forced me to do anything they never said oh i think you should yeah. go here and but i knew that uncle wanted me to go here you know uh auntie wanted me to go here all these coaches wanted me to go to so I, you know everybody wanted me to go everywhere everywhere else but i wanted to go to usc yeah. so i close my eyes and i say a little quick prayer in my class mm-hmm. and i just you know it's simple like heavenly father mm-hmm. i want to go to usc is this the right decision for me in the name of jesus christ amen mm-hmm. now the time limit of everything i don't remember but all i remember is in that class after i said my prayer my phone rings my dad i'm in class i don't answer it mm-hmm. He leaves a voicemail. And so, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's less than 24 hours. So, I'm thinking, like, he needs me to, mm-hmm. like, do something for signing day the next day. So, like, I'm, like, in the class and I'm listening. And my dad basically told me, he said, hey, son, just letting you know that Notre Dame coaches just emailed. You know, they just want to wish you luck for tomorrow and, and know that wherever you go, you'll be successful. Nothing crazy. I said, oh, okay, cool, nothing. After class, I went up to the, uh, I went up to the, uh, the athletic department, the athletic facility. And uh, I walk in with Coach Khaled. And Coach Khaled's dad, Charlie Ane, mm-hmm. is in the USC Hall of Fame. Okay. So I'm thinking, yeah, I'm about to talk SC with Coach, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so Coach is like, all right, where are we going tomorrow? And I told Coach, I was I'm going to go to USC. And he was happy. You know, I said, oh, okay. But, like, it wasn't the type of reaction that I felt like you would get I would that. get from somebody who had connections to USC. Uh-huh. But you know, Coach Kali, he's, 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 real, he's uh-huh. just real mild, just real chill. Mm-hmm. And so I asked him, I was like, I said, what you think, Coach? And he jokingly says, oh, that, you know, that's, that's good. He said, I just thought you'd be a Notre Dame type of guy. Okay. Just jokingly. Yeah. And he probably don't remember that, but that stuck to me. I was like, ah, okay, cool. Right next to him was Mr. Holden. He's at uh, the other uh, athletic director over there. And Mr. Holden, I don't know if you know him, Tom Holden, um, Ohio State mm-hmm. guy, you know, very, very, very lively, very, very energetic, just a great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he pulls me into his office and he's like, where are we going tomorrow, man? And I tell him, oh, Mr. Holden, I'm going to go to USC. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, man, that's huge. He's like, congratulations. He's like, who, who was it down to? I was like, you know, I was always a USC fan, but, you know, if anybody else, probably like USC or Notre Dame, I kind of just, I was like, you know, USC or Notre Dame. He's like, man, he's like, you ever heard of the Notre Dame alumni? He's like, man, they're everywhere. Like that Notre Dame alumni, like, bro, it is crazy. He's like, oh, but USC got a good Notre Dame, uh, a, a good yeah. alumni program too. And I'm like, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Thanks, Mr. Hode. He's like, man. I'm excited for you. Your coach yeah. coaches like, yeah, yeah, you know, I leave. The last area I went into is Uncle Gary Satterwhite. Mm-hmm. And Uncle Gary Satterwhite is like a father figure to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and somebody that has, he's always been there for me um, since, since Puno. And I walk into, he is a track coach at Puno. And he was in the building and I walk into the room and I sit on the couch. And uh, Uncle Gary says, he's like, where are we going, nephew? And I told him, I, I, and I opened up to Uncle Gary. Yeah. I said, you know, Uncle, man, I think I'm going to go to USC, you know, but like uh-huh. I just talked to, you know, yeah. Coach Kale and Coach Holden and like, you know, they talking about, you know, Notre Dame and all of that stuff. And Uncle Gary, Uncle Gary told me, he was like, you know, 
you can go to, you're going to go to USC. He said, he said, you're going to go. He said, you're going to go to USC. He's like, and you're going to be the next great junior Seau, mm-hmm. the next Troy Polomalu, the next Ray Maulunga. Mm-hmm. He's like, I just always thought you'd go to a place like Notre Dame and be the only man to tell. Mm-hmm. And that. Ding! Yeah. I left, the, I left the, the athletic department and it was almost like I got hit. God telling me, like, I just gave you your answer. Yeah. And so that comes to me to pick me up from, from school. We're on our way home to Laie and we're passing Kahalu. And my dad is like, okay, like, we're going to, we're, 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 tomorrow I got the hats, you know, we're going to put the USC hat here and, you know, we're going to do this. And I remember we just passed the 7 Eleven in Kahalu going okay. over the little, the little bridge. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'm not going to USC. And he just <laughs> pulls over. He's like, "What?" And I'm like, and I said this because you know it was it was hard for me. I didn't I did not want to go to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go to USC. I was like, "Yeah, I ain't I ain't going." Mm-hmm. He's like, "Where are you going?" I said, like, "I'm gonna go to Notre Dame." Mm-hmm. And he just smiled and he and he nodded his head and he's like, "You prayed about it, yeah. didn't you?" Yeah. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I did, unfortunately. <laughs> but so, on, your, on your signing day, mm-hmm. did you have both hats out? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. They <laughs> was out there, bro. Yeah, yeah. And I kept like, <sighs> I remember my, the Notre Dame one, I believe, was on my right. And I remember I kept like. <sighs> so no one knew. Because Nobody this knew. Was the day before. Yep. Bro, I called every college. Mm-hmm. To say thank you, but no thank you. I'm glad that we did that. You know, that was just another thing that I felt my parents instilled in me. To like to always show that type of love and respect and appreciation. So I called everyone. every All 40 plus that offered me. I called them and said, hey, thank you, but no thank you. Um, and it came so close that USC, I called the morning of. Yeah. So when we left, USC, when we left the house to go to, we, we, we signed at the... Uh, Sheraton or the Sheraton, like the yeah, Sheraton or Blaze, though. One of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, no, the Blaze, though. Okay. Um. Anyway, so we're over there, and uh, I'm on the phone from the time we left La Ia all the way till I walked into the building. Mm-hmm. Like, not we're at the over yeah. there at the until I walked into the room to mm-hmm. sign, mm-hmm. and I'm talking to Coach Pete Carroll, and I'm talking to Ken Norin, and they're like, "What? <laughs> like, how? You're not." You're not gonna turn that program around, eh? and I'm like, I know, <laughs> I know. But I didn't tell him that. I was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, thank you, coach. Uh, thank you, I appreciate. It. I just kept saying, Thank you, I appreciate it. Thank you, I appreciate it. And they're like, Oh, you're making the biggest mistake. And me as a USC fan, I was like, oh, Come on, let it make this easy for me, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, I gotta go. I give the phone to my mom. I think he coach said something to my mom and my mom got mad and this is the last time like i have never seen my mom that mad mm-hmm. she hang, she was like thanks and she hangs up the phone and she's like well, i want you to kill usc every year you play them <laughs> yeah, yeah. get in there and so i went in there and mm-hmm. i remember i signed that letter of intent and uh four years later bro yeah. i cannot tell you how glad i am you know and i i'm, I'm a big a uh, believer in prayer mm-hmm. um, because that was the only way that I was going to make that yeah. decision, right? Yeah. And so that's how I made it. I mean, that's 
it's great to hear the story because yeah. you know we don't know what goes on this yeah. is like a private thing between you and your family yeah. and all of the thought and the process and everything that goes into it but mm-hmm. you know i mean the whole nation saw yeah what yeah. you did to that program yeah, yeah. i mean it made hawaii Seems very great. proud and yeah i mean sometimes it's it's really yeah there's no other way to explain it yeah you know it's just god's way and the path that he has for you mm-hmm. that certain things play out even that week of mm-hmm. to make you like reconsider like yeah. you know every conversation you had going down the Puno athletic department yeah. started to think oh, yeah. am I making the right decision <laughs> yeah. and then you know if you never had that if you never even walked up to the to talk to all of yeah. them you yeah. would have been at USC and who knows I mean you still would have been successful yeah. but the path would have been different yeah. Yeah. now I know you have so many things to do we definitely anytime you come home or maybe even online on zoom or something yeah we got to finish this up yeah yeah but i do want to get to we're kind of skipping over your your successful nfl career oh. but there's there's so many things that we yeah. can talk about that that would be a whole nother we can do whatever hours. bro you let me but know i do want to end off just because i know you very well and mm-hmm. every time you're back home you have such a positive message you do you know these keynote speeches for events to talk to kids you do camps clinics all of that mm-hmm. and this is the part that I especially like to talk to you about. Yeah. Because I think we have a very similar outlook as to the message that we're trying to pass on to the next generation, mm-hmm. right? So that's what I want to spend the next few minutes is think about everything that you've learned. Mm-hmm. And how we started this episode is that we are in a way different place, yeah. you know, than we were two years ago. Yeah. And for those of you that haven't seen that conversation, you can check it out on YouTube. Yeah. But there were so many great things that you said that I mean, it helps a lot of kids. People that watch that, they get inspired, they're motivated, you know, they start to figure out what the right path is for them. But thinking where you are now, what are some of the key messages Mm -hmm. that you could pass on to, I mean, the Hawaii community and Hawaii kids, Mm -hmm. but really anybody that might come across this episode? Yeah, I think where I'm at today, and, and, and this is what I just for myself developed just recently, is a very 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 clear understanding and belief in who I am and to some that may seem like something that's so small but I am in a place where there's nothing you can tell me whether it be good or bad that's going to sway me for who I know I am so how I came across this right so we just talked about all the good things that happened in my life Right, all the, all the accomplishments, all the hard work, all the accolades, right, mm-hmm. and with all of that comes with a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of positivity, a lot of uplifting, a lot of people saying, "Man, you're the greatest." This, you're, you're, man, you're amazing. You're gonna win the Heisman. You, you should have won the Heisman. This and that, right? But then, catfish happens. Mm-hmm. Then, I'm on, uh. I remember an article came out came out after that where I like I was like on a list of the most hated athletes in the world at that time. Me, Tiger Woods, and uh, Lance Armstrong. Mm-hmm. That that mm-hmm. that's that's what I remember. I was like, yeah. right? Yeah. So I go from being in this sort of spotlight of love, of mm-hmm. positivity, of mm-hmm. encouragement, of man, you're the greatest thing, mm-hmm. to Man, you ain't worth this, man. You suck, man. You, uh, mm-hmm. right? So, like, you have both of these sides. Mm-hmm. 
And it wasn't until the negativity came out that I realized how heavily I weighed people's opinions of me. Mm. Because when this came out, that was when my confidence was shot. Because I had no grasp of who I was. Mm -hmm. I couldn't look myself in the mirror and say, Manti, who are you? I could tell you what Star Advertiser told me I was. I can tell you what all that ESPN said I was, what my peers said I was, what Notre Dame said I was, but it don't matter if Manti, you can't tell you who Manti is. Andrew, if you can't look in the mirror and say, I am Andrew and this is who Andrew is and this is what I stand for, you can't do anything. You won't be worth anything and not only will you not be worth anything, you will never be at peace. Right? And so, for me, in the condition that society is in today, where your political views mean you're this your 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 religious views mean you're this i am in a space where you cannot label me mm-hmm. yeah. there is no manti label yeah. because you can't put me in this circle you can't put me in that circle you can't put i believe this mm-hmm. I, I believe in certain things and there's nothing you can say to me that's going to anger me or irritate me or disturb my inner peace to make me to make me respond to you. Why? Because I, if if you say if you, if you say something to me that I know I'm not, then you just believe it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just like you don't know who I am. Yeah. And that's and that's fine. Yeah. You know. But until you've ha- you're okay with being who you are you will always be affected by the opinions of other people and what a what a crazy world to live in especially a world today where everybody has an opinion of what you do and if you are not solid on who you are you will forever be chasing people's gratitude like people's uh, praise of you Mm -hmm. and if all you feel on is praise when the negativity comes around yeah. You're gonna crumble, yeah. just like how I did in, in in the NFL. My first years in the NFL were rough, bro. Yeah. I had no confidence. Yeah. I didn't know who I was, oh. and it took a lot of different things throughout my life, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually, mm-hmm. to to put me on a path of healing and strengthening to where I am now. It's like even that kid that you sat across from, like we talked about yeah. our first interview, even that kid. Yeah. Somebody say something to him on Instagram. It's like, oh, you, man. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? yeah. You want to? Okay. Yeah. You know, but now it's just like, oh, another one. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's because I'm, I'm, I'm solid. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm glad that you shared that. And for a lot of us, it's, again, it's like the experiences, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know what we don't know. Yeah. But you just sharing that with everybody, mm-hmm. that's something everyone can relate to and take to heart yeah. because it will really... You know, find more inner peace. It will right. really help you to understand who you are. So like you said, that you can do everything that you yeah. know that you stand for, right. right? And I think that's the bottom line, especially with everything that's going on in yeah. the world today. But I'm so glad that you you share these messages because this is the thing about you. It's those things, mm-hmm. more so than the sports, yeah. <laughs> that help other people out. Thank you, brother. Yeah. And you know, make you do all of these other things. Mm-hmm. That's not taking away anything from you, from what you do on the field. Mm-hmm. And we have to save 
the NFL story for another yeah, yeah, episode. for sure. Just because I know you're here on vacation. No worries, I like, bro. I don't want you to, you know, no spend worries. too much time. But the NFL, I think that, that will be something good that we'll share in the oh, future yeah. to reflect on because that's when I got to know you. Yeah. Before that, I did not know you. Yeah. Know you. you know, yeah. like, I remember the first time coming in and then seeing some of the struggles that you were going through. Yeah. And that was when we really got to work together and start to see, like, and you taught me a lot, you mm-hmm. know, like all of the, every single client, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how successful you are. Yeah. Every single client that I work with closely, you guys teach me a lot. Yeah. And that's where I got to see, okay, this is what you stand for. Mm-hmm. This is who you are, you know, and mm-hmm. this is what you're like, and this is what makes you successful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But we will save that for another episode yeah. before everyone. I mean, think about that. I think it's something good to end this episode off mm-hmm. on that good note is just, understanding who you are yeah. being able to look in the mirror and knowing what you stand for mm-hmm. without relying on all the other opinions yeah. about everyone else you have to stand on your own two feet exactly and don't spin these words around and be like okay i'm not going to care what anyone else thinks <laughs> and just do, do things that you know don't contribute to society because yeah, yeah. that's not what it's about either yeah. but that's what you know that's what it's about you know andrew is like is me being it's us everybody mm-hmm being a contributor to society to society in a positive way yep. and the only way that you can be truly a an impact have a true impact on people is if you're okay yourself yeah i can't help somebody if i if i'm not yep. in a good space exactly you know i i can't do that and so for everybody make sure that you're good yep. you know c- worry about you yep. you know then you can be the, the 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 positive influence on the people around you you yeah. can't do that if your home isn't in order yourself you know yes. so take care of you first that is so true that is so true and one last thing if you want to share anything about what you got going on mm-hmm. some of the things that you got in the future yep. i didn't mention it but congratulations yep. on uh, getting engaged oh thank you and expecting you know yeah. so like anything that you want to yeah. share about yourself promote. yeah yeah so i got engaged got married got engaged um in February or March of last year, got married. Uh, we had a COVID wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it, you know. <laughs> um, and now my wife is expecting. Um, so we're, we're, we're excited about that. A lot of blessings. Um, you know, but as far as uh, career-wise, you know, I don't know. You know, I think for me, I have the recipe for success. Mm-hmm. Every successful person, there's a recipe. And it, all, all it is is, is a lot of hard work a lot of determination, a lot of resiliency because on your path to being successful, you're gonna run into more failures than successes. And so you have to be able to deal with the punches and throw one back when it's time. And so, um, you know, whatever I have next, whether it's to keep playing football, um, it's gonna be great, but it's gonna be done my way. You know, and that's the most beautiful thing is it's going to be done my way and it's going to be done in a way that when I look at myself in the mirror, I'll be happy. And it's always great to talk to you. Yeah. See you back at home. (laughs) So it's always great conversations. I mean, I really enjoy this and we know that everything that you do in the future because of all your habits, Mm -hmm. all of the things that you've experienced. That's what's going to bring that success. Same so. with you, bro. <laughs> Same with you. Yeah, so next time we're, we're together recording another episode, yeah. we will talk about the NFL career. Yes. Yes. And we'll talk about how, you know, we've evolved yes. and grew some more. Yeah, But sure. thank you so much for joining me. Any last words? You're the man. <laughs> You're the man. But thanks again and enjoy the rest of your vacation. Thank you, brother.